0: This is the Bobcast, a podcast exploring Reformed theology through the works of Herman Bovink.
1: Hey, Bob Squad, thanks for joining us again for episode 14. I'm Mark. I'm Andrew. I'm Caleb. We're going to be continuing our conversation in chapter 3 of Herman Bavinck's Wonderful Works of God, talking about general revelation. If you're following along with us, we'll be starting right there about the middle of page 22, and we will take it away from there. We see here God's revelation of who he is in both nature and then in special revelation that is the word of God.
0: We've been talking about the differences between these two types of revelation. Revelation. One of the last uh, things we talked about, too, see. both revelations have the same purpose. They have the purpose of preserving the human race. The first, that is general revelation by sustaining it. The second, by redeeming it. And both in this way serve the end of glorifying all of God's excellences. So even general revelation serves the plan of redemption. It allows the world to continue, allows the situation for which Christ can enter and accomplish the plan
2: of redemption. Right. And one of the ways that uh, the Lord does this uh, preservation in general revelation is through what we can call uh, common grace, uh, which is used to restrain uh, evil so that every single person in history doesn't end up worse than, say, like Hitler. Common grace is basically preserving humanity from destroying itself in one sense.
1: Right, and God's Providence is there for all people. You know, we come to passages like the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Both the Christian farmer and the secular farmer benefits from that. God is sustaining and providing for mankind in general, whether or not they are believers.
0: You see this even, for instance, in the Noahic Covenant. You have common <laughs> grace there in the sense that the world order is promised to continue God's not going to destroy the earth with water again. The covenant's with all creatures there to be fruitful and to multiply. Basically, the created order is going to continue until God has accomplished all of his purposes in redemption. And so we see here the relationship between the two. That uh, common common grace is not so divorced from special grace, from special revelation, where it stands completely on its own. It serves the purpose of special revelation
2: and of redemption. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is where we're picking up then from page 22 right there after that break. You know, we, we're kind of left with the, the question... Uh, where do we find like the ideas of general and sp- uh, special revelation? Where do we really, really learn about all this stuff?
0: The content of both revelations is contained in Holy Scripture, as he opens this section with. So, that doesn't mean that general revelation only occurs in nature. Uh, general is also a component of Scripture. Scripture allows us to understand nature and history properly, as Inc continues to argue.
2: So does this mean that like, the Bible can be used as like a science textbook or a manual, uh, like telling us everything about the world?
0: No, it would not, because you think of all the things that science has done. For instance, there's nothing in the Bible that tells you how to make penicillin or how to build a bridge or how to do any of the other various kinds of advances of science and technology technology. It's not comprehensive knowledge. It's not everything about the world, but it does speak to and it does inform us how we are to understand the things in this world.
1: Right, it's it's as he says here in that first paragraph after the break. As it is, Scripture sheds a light on our path through the world and puts into our hand a true reading of nature and history. It makes us see God where we would otherwise not have seen Him. Illumined by it, we behold God's excellences spread abroad in all the works of His hands. These are things that we naturally see uh, in, just in observing everyday life. You know, your atheist is going to look at things and he's going to have a specific way through his worldview through which he defines things. But the Christian is going to look at things and he's going to look at it through the lens of scripture. And and he will be able to see God's hand in it, you know, through the revealed word of God, through what God has said concerning himself. and, And he's going to be able to see God's work in that. I mean, you look at you know, the atheist looks at that beautiful sunset and sees the sunlight reacting with various molecules and gases in the atmosphere. Whereas the Christian is going to look at that same vista and it's going to attest to the glory of God, of the creator of the universe, of this God that, that
2: makes things that are true and good and beautiful. Right. Yeah. And when we see that creation, you know, we see uh it's orderliness. You know, we, we see this world has, uh, like, natural laws and gravity. We understand by scripture that it's God who orders and sustains these things.
0: Right. It's not a result of chance or of probability or of the, the various movements of atoms. Basically, this didn't just come out of nowhere. And so you even see this, though, in, like, how... People reflect on the things that go on that they observe or the things in their wives. You know, the atheist talks about things like chance or karma or luck or those sort of things, whereas we understand uh, God's providence that God upholds all things as with his hand.
1: Right. And that's exactly where Bavin goes in the very next paragraph. He starts talking about creation and how, you know, creation is taught by scripture itself. You know, it demonstrates the revelation of God in nature. He said, every work that testifies of its maker, the more so in proportion to the extent that it can, in a peculiar sense, be called the product of its maker.
2: Yeah. So creation itself is an act of God revealing himself to the whole world, even though uh, unbelievers might reject that.
0: Although it's not because they don't know. I mean, Romans 1 is rather clear. These things are plain to them. They see the world. They see the order in it. They see what God has made. They innately know that it is God, but
2: they suppress
0: that truth in unrighteousness. Yeah.
2: Just as like an example of this general revelation and how it works, let say like an unbeliever um, Or maybe I should say another example is that, you know, uh, think of non believing scientists, I think a good bulk of them would believe that the universe had some kind of origin, the Big Bang uh, might have some kind of semblance of truth in that way. But most of these scientists would think that uh, its cause was random, uh, as you said. Um, you know, a random collision of pre-existing matter. But Bobbing gets to this point that if if God didn't create, you know, out of nothing by the power of His Word, creation wouldn't be an act of revelation, and uh, creation wouldn't be an act of revelation. There would be no manifestation of God's glory. So, so now that we've established that God is the creator
1: of all things, Bobbing then goes into this notion that that because uh of this absolute sense that that creation is this work of god uh therefore that creation owes he says both its nature and its being at the beginning and forever after through its maker. Every creature manifests something of God's excellences and perfections. So, so for instance, take humanity. Man is created in the image of God. No matter who that person is, they're created in the image of God, and God is somewhat reflected in his creation in that person, regardless if they're a believer or not. God's To use a huge anthropomorphism here, God's fingerprints are all
2: over his creation, and they all point back to him. Yeah, every single aspect of creation shows forth something about God's, you know, His character, His His uh, His attributes, His goodness, His power, His majesty—something in there. But because of sin, a natural man denies or or doesn't acknowledge God's hand in all things. This made me think of like, you know, when, when you're on like a Facebook comment uh, thread, it's something about God pops up and, you know, the atheist calls God an imaginary friend or whatever. The sky fairy basically calls the universe a happy accident. When uh, when he calls the universe a happy accident, you know, he's going and like is giving credit for creation to other things. To He's, he's giving credit for like creation and, and the sustaining of this universe to natural things. So like things of... Nature get credit for occurrences in history and science, and nature becomes the ruler and god of the atheist
1: right. This is where you get all that stuff about the supernaturalistic naturalism, which is a big five cent word for for what Caleb is talking about here, where you know everything if nothing is spiritual, then everything becomes spiritual, and this is where we land and where bovink takes it the Uh, The logical progression of this is kind of this polytheism, this kind of uh, making all things divine because all things are on equal footing. This is where you get the species. This is where, you know, animals are just as divine. This is where it's uh, don't knock down that tree because it has some, some greater meaning to it. If man does not direct their worship and praise to God as creator then everything becomes the target of that worship and praise. And when everything becomes the target of that worship and praise, nothing really is sacred
0: anymore. That's true. And I mean, we see that confusion playing out all around us in our day. But I think also what we see here, you know, the language that, for instance, the Westminster Confession would use about how man being created in the image of God, he's created with the law of God on his heart. He's created owing obedience. Um, Man is created with the knowledge of God, the knowledge uh, of this God that he should worship, but he suppresses that truth in unrighteousness.
2: You know, so not only that, you know, God is owed glory in God alone. He's to be honored for who he is. But this also tells us that God alone is in control. He is involved in all things and his power is present in all things, dwelling in what he made in some sense. Right. and God is owed that glory, he doesn't have
0: to ask for it. It's inherent in who he is. It's inherent in who we are. It's in the creator-creature distinction.
1: Right, and Bavink in that next paragraph, he, he really gets into this. He talks about, uh, moreover, Scripture teaches not only that at the beginning, God called the world into being, but also that this world is continuously, from moment to moment, sustained and governed by that same God. And then he goes into that God is infinitely exalted above the world, not only, but he also dwells in all his creatures uh, in his almighty and omnipresent power. And then he, he points to Paul talking to the Athenians there uh, on Mars Hill in Acts 17 uh, with verses 27 and 28, for for in him, in God, we live and move and have our being. Now, I don't know if we want to open this can of worms, but, but when we were first reading this, Andrew and I, We're kind of having a little bit of a back and forth there. Is Bavink espousing panentheism? Which panentheism, for those of you who don't know, is if pantheism is all things are God, panentheism is we're all a part of one being we're all interconnected there's no distinction between creator and creation we're we're all emanating from from one being this is process theology this is Hegelianism so is this what Bavink is espousing and if you want a little bit more reading in this if if you have reformed dogmatics volume two page 169 goes into more detail so so if you're reading this and you get kind of hung up on it like we were Don't worry about it. You can flip to page 169 of book two of Bavinck's Reformed Dogmatics, iron it out a little bit. This is not what Bavinck is saying.
0: Basically, the too long, didn't read version of what he is saying here. This is talking about God's omnipresence and how that works itself out in the world. It's not panentheism, but it is just Bobbing's way of explaining that. He does go into more detail and make it more clear in that
1: portion in Dogmatics. So he finishes that paragraph there with, The revelation which comes to us from the world, therefore, is not merely a reminder of the work of God, which he accomplished long ago. It is a testimony also to what God now... In these are times, wills and does. So, so this process of creation, this process of sustaining, this, this this providence, God is still actively working in our lives. Everything is being held together by the word of his power. And this is something that, that we can take comfort in today. This wasn't just like God making something and setting it free. You know, we kind of got into all that stuff in previous episodes. But God is living and active today. And that's something that we can really take comfort in as Christians.
2: And even more, we can know that God knows His creation intimately. Um, in that next paragraph, there, you know, Bobink's going to pull from a whole bunch of scriptural examples. You know, he's going to be uh, talking about how God has dressed and adorned the flowers and the grass. He knows the full number of the stars and every single star by name. Uh, absolutely nothing is lacking in creation, and you know, he, he even knows every single uh, hair on our head. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> I guess that's easier for some of us than for others. <laughs> uh, well, maybe, you know, maybe maybe in glory you'll have a you'll have a some long luscious locks, <laughs> and God will know every one of them. All right, and that's all the time that we have for uh, this episode. We hope that you'll join us again for episode fifteen. Uh, we can get into this next part of General Revelation. Till then, have a great week and tot ziens. Toadzines. Toadzines.
0: Thank you for listening to Bobcast. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and leave a five star review where you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bobcast. And email questions or comments to Bobcast at gmail.com. Bobcast is a member of the Society of Reform Podcasters. Subscribe to the Society of Reform Podcasters feed to get more great theological content. Music is City of God by Rudy Manrique. We hope you'll join us again next time.